Hey, this is Scott Ellis. And before we get into this week's episode, I wanted to talk to you about Disney. Now, when I say the word Disney, the first thing that probably comes to your mind is the happiest place on earth. And if that's the case, it is probably because of their time-tested decades of experience at providing high-quality service and always being focused on customer satisfaction at almost any cost. Now, the Collin College Preston Ridge Campus in Frisco is offering you an opportunity to learn how Disney does it. They're inviting you to join them for Disney's Approach to Quality Service, a professional development course presented by Disney Institute. If you're interested in bringing that level of quality service to your business, all you have to do is go out and register at colin.edu slash corporate college slash Disney or hit the link in this episode. That course is coming up on Tuesday, October 30th, and you don't want to miss it. Now let's get on with the show. Welcome to the Frisco Podcast. I'm your host, Scott Ellis, and on this episode, we're joined by Andre Angel from Tango Tab. Andre, welcome to the show. Thank you for having me. All right, first of all, what is Tango Tab? For anybody that doesn't know already, what is Tango Tab? A Tango Tab is an app that helps feed a person in need every time you use it at a participating restaurant. So the app helps restaurants fill their empty seats at the same time bringing consumers in. And every time you eat, we feed a hungry person. Okay, we're going to talk more about how that works. I go to the restaurant, I open up the app, uh, check in that I'm at that restaurant, and somebody else gets fed? That is correct. So the idea is that um, on the app, there's over 100,000 restaurants now participating around the country. And every time you open the app, you find the restaurants that are part of partners with us. And when you go to that restaurant, you just check in on the app in that restaurant. And effectively, a meal is donated to a hungry person locally. Okay, very good. So you guys are all over the place, but you're also in Frisco, which is what we're talking about today. We love Frisco, and uh, yes, we are now in 335 markets across the U.S., and Frisco is, of course, uh, very dear to us because that's uh, we're, we started in, in really in the Dallas area, so the Metroplex is our base. Right? Yeah. Well, yeah, this is home for sure. Dallas is home. Um, but what gave you the idea for this? What made you want to start this particular business that's so focused on also giving back? Uh, I think to to tell the story about this, I think we need to go back slightly. And um, I didn't know much about hunger. I uh, grew up in a you know middle class family, had everything uh, provided, um, started in in business and built multiple companies and sold them. Um, one day I was invited to sit on a board of a food pantry in Plano, Texas. And uh, for the residents of Frisco, of course, you know that Plano is just as affluent as, uh, as Frisco. Mm-hmm. And I just couldn't believe that there were pantries in, in Plano. So having you know been successful in business, I wanted to bring my kids to, to volunteer to see that there are you know, people living at a different lifestyle than they, than they were. And uh, so I asked permission to volunteer rather than just sit on the board and thinking that I may have to write a check. So going to that pantry that morning, um, I was just blown away by what I saw because it was absolutely nothing like I thought hunger looks, right? So in, in my history, I've traveled around the world and I've seen very hungry people, right? Uh, similar to what we see on TV at night, you know, a kid in Africa or in Latin America or in India. And the people in, in Plano, I mean, looked... Uh, better dressed than I was that morning. They actually drove nice cars, and I just couldn't believe that they were hungry. 
And digging into the problem, I discovered that hunger in the U.S. looks very, very different, right? So it's not just the homeless person that we see. That's a very small population in terms of who's hungry. In the U.S., one in six Americans goes to bed hungry, So, and, and one in four kids in this area, in North Texas, which, again, blew me away, and that's why I wanted to solve the problem. Why is it that you think, and this is a really important topic, mm-hmm. by the way, and we have this in Frisco as well. There are some very good nonprofits that are also focused on on helping people in need, particularly with food and things like that. Um, but why does it look so different in the U.S.? I think the the U.S. issue is is not about lack of food or lack of resources. I think a lot of people here have to um, prioritize where they spend their money. So we have a lot of people that live um, just below the poverty line. Uh, the cost of living is very high. Uh, between 2007 to 2009, I think we've all seen the losses of you know jobs and homes and and so on. So a lot of these people actually are working. Right? A lot of them is what, what we call the suburban poor. It's These are people that are working. They look like us. They work with us. They actually are sometimes the people that go, you know, their kids go to your, to school with your kids. and Or they, it's the guy that gives you your dry cleaning in the morning. They're just not making enough to, to survive for the entire month. So um, they need to go out and get some food. They need to go out and supplement what they make to to fill their, you know, their the food on their tables. Yeah, fill their bellies. Mm-hmm. So you decided to get involved, and you volunteered at first, but then clearly ideas, you know, as entrepreneurs, this is what happens. You get an idea, the next thing you know, a company is born, right? <laughs> What's funny is I define entrepreneur as as a guy who solves problem, right? Mm-hmm. So, so for me, I saw a problem here that I need to solve, and um, I needed to get in. I needed to really make sure that we don't have hungry children in this country. So Again, as, as a background, I'm, a, I'm an immigrant in this country. I came with nothing. Um, I got great jobs, uh, uh, made money, and then struck on my own and started building companies. And, you know, when you build a very successful company and you sell it, and there's a lot of reward financially. So to look at a country that gave me every chance I have and gives a lot of people uh, incredible chances, to see that we have such hunger problem in this country, it was just unacceptable. So I needed to solve it. And then Tango Tab. Uh, I needed I needed a business model. I needed something that could really solve the problem. And and TangoTab was was the creation behind it. Um, the idea is when when you look at what when I looked at what solutions were for hunger, uh, I found a lot of nonprofits, a lot of food banks that do an incredible job. So they they really help a lot of people. But that's not a solution. That's a band aid, right? So. Mm-hmm. All these food banks depend on us donating money. They depend on our volunteering hours, and and that's how they survive. So every year they have to go back to the well and ask for more donations, more money, and that's wonderful. It solves a portion of the problem. It actually just um, is, is really a Band-Aid to really help a lot of people, but it doesn't solve the problem long term. Yeah, and a Band-Aid is a good thing when you're, you know, when you're bleeding. You need a Band-Aid sometimes, but... To your point, that isn't necessarily the long-term solution, and I, I'm a big fan of of taking a, a more business approach to some things like this uh, for the long-term solutions, um, because it does force you to not just address what's happening right now, but you know, as a business, you have to think about the longer, bigger picture, and you know, what does this look like in three years and five years, and how do you build a model to support what you're trying to do that's a little bit more sustainable than just donations. Absolutely, I think I think band aids are absolutely necessary. So when you when you're hemorrhaging, you need you need something to stop the bleeding. 
Um, the challenge with with the current models of nonprofit towards any social problem, whether it's hunger or water or or really education or disease, is that you're you're really just um, covering the wound. You're it's still it's still hemorrhaging. Uh, the problem continues to grow, and there is no sustainable solution. So you needed something, or we needed something, a lot more sustainable uh, to to fix the problem. And by sustainability, I don't mean you know a green or anything like that. I mean sustainable as a business model means mm-hmm. that I can create profitability, which effectively leads me to scale, which effectively leads me to hire the best people I could and put them to work to solve the problem. That doesn't mean that we don't do volunteering, that we don't work with the Band-Aid providers, because I think everybody's trying to solve the problem. Uh, the challenge is, in, in most nonprofit organizations, is, is funding, right? Yeah. So they all have to raise funds continuously, and those funds are scrutinized uh, by everybody. I mean, if they spend on marketing, the board would say, why are you spending on marketing? Uh, this shouldn't <laughs> be spent, right? Yeah. So I think nonprofits are always struggling to balance how they spend, how they market, how they raise more funds, and they're limited in funds. So they have to go back to the well every year, which is a not so efficient model to solving a long-term problem. Yep. And hence, we haven't found a solution for hunger uh, with all the nonprofits we have. I mean, we, we touch a lot of people's hearts. We, we help them, but it doesn't solve the problem. And so, just to be clear, Tango Tab is not a nonprofit. Tango guys, Tab is a for-profit. You are model. a for-profit model, but right. business, I should say. But there is a strong, obviously, a very strong giving component to that. I mean, this whole thing was started to really help people in that need. How hard was it to get up and running, and and to kind of get this idea germinating? I guess in the idea in the in the heads of restaurant owners and the people that would become your first partners was it a tough sell? It's a it's a very tough sell. So here's a I don't mean it in a braggadocious way in any way, but I've built <laughs> this is company number sixteen for me. Um, wow! And even with eight exits and eight you know or seven other global companies, it's always hard to start a startup. It's just um, always a challenge. It's the same challenges, uh, whether it's funding, whether it's getting your first customers, whether it's perfecting the model, because you start with an idea and and you're going to meander along the way to understand what is the best model to make this a success. And uh, which is which is something we can talk about entrepreneurship for, for a long time. But <laughs> we'll have you back and talk about you, that you, later. You've, you've yeah. been through this. Uh, it's it's really uh, always challenging, no matter who you are, no matter how many times you've done it, and and you have to balance, you know, the hunger of a startup, and keeping it that hungry, no matter, you mm-hmm. know, even if you can fund every penny of it, um, and and the balancing of the business model itself and how it can grow. So it's the challenges of any startup. Yeah. Um, but but were the restaurants immediately receptive to the idea, or did they take some convincing that this was going to work? Uh, it, it, it's a it's an interesting interesting industry that I didn't know much about besides dining in restaurants. <laughs> it's uh, it's an industry that almost is twenty years behind corporate America in terms of technology or the adoption of technology. Um, the majority of the technology in the restaurants are either food related or a POS, mm-hmm. and uh, a point of sale system is something that's almost uh, twenty years old, and they're still using the old systems, and it takes time to change that. And even when you give them a new technology, um, it becomes uh, very hard to adopt and adapt to. Um, the challenge that we ran into when we started was that we were dealing against something called Groupon. And Groupon was was a model that discounts restaurants, and most restaurants that were using it were going out of business. And it's, uh, it's uh, very challenging for a restaurant to adapt that model because of the cost structures and, and so on. 
And when we would talk to a restaurant, they would think we were another Groupon, and uh. and we weren't, and we were very different. So um, the initial customers were very very tough to get. I'll bet. Yeah, there were a lot of lot of restaurants and other businesses that kind of got burned by Groupon, not because Groupon was necessarily trying to burn them, but just because you know they would uh, they would the losses were a little bit too much, and they would drive too much business. That was you know loss leader can be fine in some situations, but. Yeah, when it wipes it's, you out. It's no, no, it, it wipes you out. And, and when you look at the business model of a restaurant, I mean, uh, close to 62% of the business is very high fixed cost. Yeah. Right? So when you're discounting your product that actually uh, is costing you on average in the U.S. about 28%, just food cost, um, you're effectively losing money. So you're hoping that your customer that has just tried you through Groupon would come again. Anyway, not not to talk about Groupon. I think it's a it's an interesting model, but it I don't think it works well for restaurants. No, but I can understand because that was a really big deal around the time that you were starting Tango That's Tab, right. and so I can understand why restaurants were going, "Oh, wait a minute, I'm not so sure about this." Right? How did you overcome that? Uh, the, the other we had we had another challenge. I'll talk about that. But uh, the the other challenge is we are a company that's doing good in the community. So social ventures were also early. I mean, yeah. I think there was uh, Tom's Shoes that did a one for one model before us. But I could count them on one hand in terms of all the companies that are doing good, right? So that was a challenge. You talk to a restaurant and, and the salesperson suddenly talks about the charitable angle. And then the restaurant said, well, I'm donating my own things. Well, that's great. Uh, we're not talking about you donating. We're actually making the donations ourselves. Tango Tab is making the donation, not the restaurant. And we're helping you to bring consumers in, right? So, so that was an interesting challenge as well. Uh, to get over these challenges, I mean, we we had to explain the model, we had to show success in certain restaurants, and then you use uh, reference selling. Yep. And the restaurants that were happy will talk about it. And uh, uh, the fortunate thing about being in this world of, of giving uh, is you got a lot of media coverage, and that helped us get you know more people on board. We also got a lot of celebrity power athletes and, and celebrities that said, wow, this is a great thing, I want to join it. Um, for multiple reasons. And that helped, of course, show that we're doing something good. Awesome. So I'm going to pause here for just a minute because I want to tell everybody that's listening, if you're not driving your car right now, grab your phone, go to the app store, whether you're on Android or iPhone, and download the Tango Tab app. It only takes a second to sign up. When you sign up, be sure to use the code Frisco so Andre knows that we sent you. And uh, yeah, go download the app, check it out, super simple to use, and start checking it at all your favorite Frisco restaurants. And, and what's amazing about that, uh, Scott mentioning Frisco, is we donate locally, right? So if, if we generate money with a local restaurant, that money is going into Frisco as an example. So wherever we generate our funds, we donate them locally to the local um, shelters or the local charities or into community gardens and so on. And I'm really glad you brought that up because that was perfect segue into the next section of the conversation here. And that is the events that we've seen you guys doing in Frisco and you had great turnout. We've seen pictures and things like that. Can you talk a little bit about what those are and and how all of that local aspect of this works? Sure. Um, uh, three years ago, actually, we started something called Feed the City. And Feed the City had nothing to do with the business model of, of Tango Tab in terms of the, the app and downloading the app and using it in restaurants. We found that the app was very abstract for consumers to understand how um, when I you know eat in a restaurant, a meal is generated. So we thought about building a community event, and we started with one. And currently, I think we have close to 20 events around the country. Frisco, of course, is one of the larger ones. Um, there are 
probably anywhere between 400 to 700 people that show up uh, on a Saturday, on the third Saturday of the month, actually. And we get together and we make meals for the local hungry, right? And those meals go into local charities that are distributing them to potentially homeless or hungry people in the area. Um, Those events have become um, an incredible uh, opportunity to share what we're doing, to bring awareness to hunger. Because I think one of the biggest issues that I had before starting the business is I didn't know this problem existed. Yeah. Right. We don't think about this problem. We think about, you know, the hungry as as the guy who sits under the bridge or who's, you know, with a sign asking you for for food or a hamburger or whatever money to donate. The problem is so much bigger than that. And when you when you get to a point where one in four American kids, that's close to 17 million kids in the U.S., don't have access to food. I mean, that hits home and that's in some of our wealthiest areas. It doesn't doesn't matter where you are. Yeah. And I think. It is surprising to people, particularly in affluent areas like Plano and Frisco, to find out that it could very well be your neighbors that, um, you know, be it a, a job loss or some other setback is actually making it hard for them to pay their bills, to put food on the table and mm-hmm. all of those things. And it is it is not absent in Frisco. No, I mean, it, it could happen because of a medical issue, right? So yeah. imagine, you know, you have a medical issue that uh, costs you a lot of money to resolve, whether it's um, a, a massive cancer disease or something like that. I mean, that money has to be prioritized. So you're spending it on making yourself better or healing. And effectively, you don't have any money to eat or pay your bills and so on. And and we're having that. It's a major issue here that when you think about, um, really the number is is one in four, it's 23% of our kids struggle with this, right? So oh. I think I think we in the media say one in five, but it's really closer to one in four. And in North Texas, it's one in three, right? So we have, at one point a few years back, we were the number two state of childhood hunger behind Mississippi. Why is that? Why is it so prevalent here? I mean, the cost of living has certainly gone up in Dallas in the last you know, 10, 15 years. We've watched it grow. But it's not. We're not San Francisco cost of living or New York cost of living. So why is that? Why do you think that's affecting us so much? I honestly don't know the answer. Why Texas has been in the top ten? Now we're we're lower in the top ten, but we're still in the top ten. Um, there is no reason in my mind because we are, I think, the largest or second largest GDP state in the country. Yeah. I mean, Texas could stand on its own as a as a country uh, financially. And I don't understand why we have such a disparity between uh, the haves and have-nots, especially when it comes to children and, and eating. Um, the other problem that we have, and this is a, uh, across the U.S., is that during the summer, okay, uh, hunger becomes a massive issue for children. So 19.2 million kids in the summer uh, go without food because they cannot get the food that's provided to them through the school. Right. So it's a it's a massive problem. So there is there is, of course, ebbs and flows um, in terms of how much hunger there is around the country. But summer is very difficult for children. Yeah. And I didn't even think about the seasonality of that. Mm-hmm. But that makes total sense. And, and all too often uh, when I walk into a grocery store and, and I have not been in a situation where I've had to worry about going hungry. Um, but. I am often dumbfounded. And, and I don't know why particularly, but I, every time I walk into a grocery store, I look around and I think, we have so much. It's almost ridiculous we have so much. And yet there are people going hungry, and it doesn't seem like there should be any reason for that. But that's that's the problem that I think we we do not understand in the U.S. is The U.S. is one of the top five um, food-sufficient countries in the world. That means we produce 130% of the food we eat. 
The challenge is that because of economic reasons and uh, moving trucks and logistics, um, a lot of the food gets wasted at the farmer's level, right? So when, when the big companies buy the food from farming organizations, et cetera, uh, they leave a lot of food that doesn't get sold for whatever reasons, whether it's a, a trade agreement with a different country where we have to buy avocados or chicken or something like that. Mm-hmm. A lot of the food that's left over is left on, on the trees, on the vine, on the ground to rot, and they use it as manure for, um, for the next year. So um, it's not an issue of not having food. It's an issue of actually financial and logistics reasons that we cannot move food around. And as TangoTab generates more and more money, we're actually taking that money and now investing it in entrepreneurial ventures, even if we don't care about the return, in entrepreneurial ventures to come up with production of food or bringing food through logistical solutions from farmer to distribution center to give it to people in need. So this is how we've shifted over the years. And again, that's that's learning that we didn't have uh, when we started. Yeah, and I've, I've heard stories about the aesthetics of food too. There's mm-hmm. a lot of food that doesn't make it to the grocery store because it doesn't look the way people want. That's right. But you know, if you're hungry, the fact that that apple isn't perfectly shaped isn't going to matter to you that much. No, there, so it, it's a little bit of a, a skew in that regard as well. There are countries actually like France that have passed laws about you know ugly fruit, so nothing gets wasted. <laughs> I, I'm, I'm serious. There I love are that. there are actually stores that have opened now in Paris that sell just ugly fruit. There are um, organizations that are actually taking that food packaging in in baskets and you're buying a basket of food you actually spend five euros or you know eight dollars or something like that and you're getting a basket you don't know what you're going to get it's just ugly fruit but it's good right so so there are a lot of the new millennial generations that are actually um joining these organizations and are buying all this fruit that's going you know that will traditionally go to waste because nothing is going to get wasted in in france now I hope we will adopt laws and rules and regulations that allow us to do that here. But uh, we all know how we go to the supermarket mm-hmm. and we love the beautiful fruit and the sure. peaches that look absolutely great and, and the apples that have no blemishes at all. So I think we're all guilty of this, right? Well, if nobody owns uglyfruit.com, I'm going to go buy it because I just got another idea. So. That, 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 may be, <laughs> that may be a great business. I love it. But, um, so, but it's interting that you guys are investing in other things. To, to So you're not just doing Tango Tab, the app, and working with restaurants and, and doing events locally and, and distributing uh, food and, and making donations locally, but now you're going international and you're going in different directions trying to solve other aspects of this problem. Right. So so the idea of Tango Tab initially started as effectively by eating using the app, we're donating a meal to a local hungry person through, through charity. Um, over the years and discovering or learning more about the Band-Aid solutions. I mean, I've sat on the board of uh, a massive uh, food bank and and learned a lot more about what we do in food banks and how we give food and the relationship to, let's say, healthcare and health systems. And I mean, effectively, you could be a diabetic and, and get Fruit Loops. So we wanted to change that model. We wanted to make sure that we provide a sustainable generation of food uh, the ability to give a lot more nutritious food to people in need rather than just giving them processed foods. Right. And that got us to start thinking about different models. So we donate, TangoTab donates 20% of the revenue into charity, right? And that's that's a significant amount. To my knowledge, that's probably the highest in the world of a for-profit business. And that's of revenue, right? Top line. In some cases, actually, as we're expanding around the world, 
because of how big the problem is, we're now looking at deploying 30%, which is quite a strain on the financial model of the business. But I think we can generate the volume to do so and uh, and to grow the, the business as well as the impact on charity. Now, learning that we needed to, to create sustainable solutions, we started looking at farming solutions where we uh, put people to work, where we put juveniles or returning military to work or investing in some of these uh, organizations to help them hire people. And then we take a portion of the food that gets generated and effectively give it to the local community. And so we're looking at, you know, hunger solutions in food deserts where we deploy community gardens, uh, um, hunger solutions in, in areas around the country where veterans are coming to work or juveniles are coming to work as a kind of a repentance for their uh, for their bad deed mm-hmm. and effectively bringing them back into society uh, and generating food to give to people in need. We're always looking for entrepreneurial ventures that are thinking about how do I produce food um, cheaper and more nutritious food. And now we're looking at, as we're expanding around the world, and, and we can talk about that, we're looking at uh, you know farming solutions through containers as an example. So container solutions, um, those shipping containers that cost $2,000, suddenly for $80,000 you can equip them with vertical farming and not a lot of water. So it's hydroponic and wow. uh, you can produce um, what five acres of land produce with one container. So imagine the future as we're working with some of these organizations to try to bring the cost down to $15,000 per container rather than you know the fifty dollars to $80,000. And that's cost, by the way. Uh, so we can deploy them in, in places where we expand um, because you're not going to have you know the ability to build a farm in Ethiopia where you don't have any water, right? Yeah. And the current solutions is you know we fly with C-130 and we drop skids of flour and rice and so on why not create a job, an economic development opportunity for that region where you can take a female from a village and say, now you're the farmer of the village now, you can hire two or three people and produce food locally, right? So the concept is evolving. We're not there yet. We're, we're just building these concepts. And as we get bigger, as we get financially more uh, capable, we will start deploying a lot more of these solutions uh, on a global basis as well. That is a, a very entrepreneurial approach to a very difficult problem. It's a huge problem. And I think if, if we work together, I mean, we can solve this problem. It's not, it's, I, I just cannot believe that nobody else, uh, maybe somebody did that I don't know of, has attempted to solve this problem using business, right? This is, this is a business problem that we need to solve. It's a financial problem. And it's not about you know producing enough food. Maybe there's a distribution issue in terms of where the food is growing and how you donate it and how you give it. But I think we're all in this together. And once we recognize as humans that we're together, uh, we, we should solve this problem. I mean, you think about uh, a billion people not having access to, to uh, clean water. I mean, why can't we solve this problem? And I've seen some interesting, speaking of that one specifically, I've seen some really interesting solutions starting to pop up around clean water. And just yesterday, I saw an ad on Instagram for a straw mm-hmm. that basically lets you suck water from any source. And it's got this really crazy filter in it that like if you're drinking water out of a river it's going to clean it before it hits the top of the straw and you can see the the clear clean water coming through it yeah just interesting i mean the the ideas and the things that people are coming up with to to solve that problem absolutely i think that's a great great solution for i've seen them do filtration ionization and so on where you can really clean the water and some people can drink but i mean when you look at water as an example uh, we have places around the planet where people drink the water, bathe in it, uh, use it for all kinds of, uh, mm-hmm. you know, issues. 
and uh, even do their laundry in it. It's the same water. And and uh, maybe as Americans, we're sheltered from this because we live in such an amazing standard of living. Yeah. But uh, these these issues, these social issues, whether again water, hunger, uh, certain diseases, I think we need to come together as as nations, as as people, and say how how do I contribute to this? Because again, uh, with a model like Tango Tub, it doesn't cost you anything to to uh, do Tango Tub. You're going out to eat anyway, right? Mm-hmm. Why not use the app? It's free, and you know that somebody else is going to eat because you just did. I mean, that's the whole concept of, of what Tango Tub does for the consumer. Yeah, why would you not do that is and the question. There is no reason why yeah. anybody wouldn't do it. Like, everybody should really download the app and, and start using it today. And imagine, I can't remember the the number of residents in Frisco, but imagine. Approaching 180,000, yeah. But imagine if, if uh, you know, 50,000 of those uh, who dine out, uh, just like the average American, which is close to five times a week. And by the way, I think Frisco dines out more than the average American. We do dine out a lot in Frisco. And right. I'm not just speaking personally because <laughs> I see the same people out everywhere I go. But Absolutely. Yeah. But just imagine if we have everyone who dines yeah. out to use the app and there's all your favorite restaurants on the app, just use it. And it costs you nothing. And effectively, you generate a meal for somebody in need. And this way, we can solve the problem at least in Frisco. Right, and and I don't know how much you can talk about this, so I'm I'm going to ask, and if you can't go into too sure. many mechanics, feel free to say, uh, let us know. But can you just go a little bit deeper on how does it work? I go into a restaurant, I check in, I have my meal. How does that translate into a meal for somebody else? No, I think we're very very transparent about this. So so our goal, the, the business model itself is a it has a dual goal. Okay, so. It satisfies a what I call a win-win-win model. So every participant in the model wins what they want, right? So in the case of restaurants, restaurants struggle and fail at a 60% within three years. So you can see a restaurant come in and go within three years, 60% of all restaurants are gone. And the biggest reason for their failure is a traffic management issue. Okay, we love the new location. We'll go to the new location and we'll try the next thing. And the old guys die. Right, so this is this is what happens in the U.S. So when you analyze that problem, it's purely a traffic management issue. So we work with restaurants to promote those restaurants on the app as restaurants who are partnering with us to solve the problem. Consumers who care, okay, will dine at these restaurants because these restaurants may offer an incentive. Uh, you know, if you come in between uh, twelve and one, uh, you'll get ten uh, percent off, or you may get a free salad, or whatever the restaurant wants to do. And most times, actually, there's no offer at all. It's just by dining here today, a person is going to get fed. So the restaurant wins their clients when they need them. Okay, so it's the opposite of a coupon where it allows you to use the coupon anytime you want. Right. So if I need you as a restaurant owner today, I may issue a promotion. I may say, you know, I'll feed two people in need or something like that to attract people to come in. What we found, by the way, is that loyalty for these restaurants increases by 320%. So three times more. Uh, people go back to the same restaurant than not, okay, which is phenomenal. On the consumer side, it's a free app. It's going to give you incentives. It's going to give you the ability to feed somebody in need without coming out of pocket. Now, when we bring a consumer into the restaurant, the restaurant pays us a small flat transaction fee that's pre-agreed upon, okay? That's how we generate revenue. Then we take 20% of that revenue and we donate it locally to to a charity. So it's really simplistic model. Um, it's complex when you look at it kind of as, as a whole, but it's really a very simple model. Everybody that participates wins exactly what they want. Now, when we take the money and now hire veterans or hire juveniles, also another participant wins. So I haven't seen anything in this model that um, is negative. 
it actually generates enough for everybody to participate. It may be a very small transaction fee, or when we split it, it may be very small, but the volume generates a very successful recurring revenue business that could grow and solve this problem. And I don't know if you know, but Americans eat out 1.1 billion meals in restaurants every week. That's insane. And we have 50 million hungry Americans. We have 17 million hungry children. So effectively, for the first time, we have the math to solve this problem. Yeah. Right? If every time you ate, somebody else ate, and we have a billion one meals in restaurants every week. Yeah, we more than solve the problem. We more than solve the problem, right? So we can solve this problem. We can actually become um, a lead for the world in terms of solving this problem. So it needs it needs that kind of entrepreneurial thinking to solve these things. It's not let me donate and, and just for the sake of donation. Right. No, I love love what you guys are doing at Tango Tab, and you're expanding internationally though now too, right? You were just telling me before we started recording that you're going to some some new places outside the U.S. We are. So we're we're launching uh, France on September 1st. We're launching. We're in the middle of piloting in Greece, and we've just I just came off um, an Asian tour where we're going to launch Singapore on October 16th, Thailand January, Hong Kong immediately after that. We haven't nailed the date yet, but we're starting to expand around Asia. And um, it's something that we we haven't seen before, but Asian countries typically are very quiet about hunger stats. I mean, if you if you research them, you'll find that you know they have three percent or four percent hungry people. When you get on the ground and you start working with the food banks, you start seeing how big the problem is. And we're talking about numbers in the twenty percent or fifteen percent in certain countries. That's a significant. So one in six to one in five people in a country um, go to bed hungry. In Hong Kong, where you know, traditionally people took care of their families or in China where, you know, the the son took care of the adult parents. And what we're seeing now with the expansion of, you know, the major cities and the manufacturing, people are moving away from their little towns. Mm-hmm. And what that's doing is that's leaving the older generation, uh, the geriatric generation, almost uh, susceptible to, to hunger and other issues. So the community is changing. And we're starting to see a lot more issues, social issues like like hunger emerge in in Asia. So in in a city like Hong Kong, a country city uh, of Hong Kong, uh, there's something called Coffin City, and Coffin City are cages of um, I mean anybody can Google it, cages of three by three by ten, and they look like chicken coops where where people are living in substandard uh, situations. And you would have never imagined that to happen in, in a place like Hong Kong, very wealthy, very international. Um, that's, a, that's a major issue. Wow. That is, it is hard to believe. It's hard to picture people living in those circumstances. And yet, here we are back, you know, in Frisco, and we know that this is also happening in our own backyard. In, in Frisco, so, it looks very different than, than yeah. what I just described. In Frisco, it's, it's really what we call the suburban poor. Um, we work with the local churches in Frisco as well to, to bring the community together and, and uh, you know, uh, download the app and use it and donate back into the community. I think we don't have the, the look and feel of the problem I described that we all are aware of, you know, where you can sponsor a kid for 50 cents every mm-hmm. night on TV. Um, our kids look exactly like uh, everyone else, right? So, uh, the, seriously, a, a hungry child looks exactly like my kid, and sometimes they're dressed better than my kid. And um, but they're they're struggling. Yeah. They're really struggling. And and it's uh, Scott. It's an it's an issue of ego. It's an issue of of you know hiding the problem, right? So nobody wants to talk about the issue. It's it's um, uh, it's a pride issue, right? Yeah. So that's that's what we have. Well, I, I hope we can overcome that. I mean, I certainly understand, but at the same time, you know, being hungry is no fun, and it's hard to function when you're hungry. 
uh, in any capacity. So, you know, if there are people out there listening to this in Frisco and you need help, there are places to get it. And it's good to know that there are companies like Tango Tab that are out there doing their part to try try to help solve this problem as well. And and if there's if there's somebody that's struggling, I mean, please write us. I mean, you can easily find us. You can reach out to us, and we will connect you with the right resources. Even even if we may not be able to do the direct donation to you, we'll connect you with the right resources because there are a lot of organizations uh, that are trying to help. Um, we don't want to see anybody go to bed hungry. We don't want to see anybody who's struggling. I mean, we want to help them uh, get over that. And there's a lot lot of need. Yeah, and there are a lot of good resources out there. In fact, I'm glad you said that because I also want to plug, if you've got to give for Frisco.com, uh, we've got a list of, I don't know, I want to say all, but many, if not most, of the nonprofits in Frisco for all different needs uh, listed on that page. So mm-hmm. if you have a need, uh, including hunger, go out there, hit give for Frisco.com and, and see who's out there to help you out. Or as Andre said, reach out to Tango tab and they'll, they'll point you in the right direction as well. And not, not to talk about it in a, in a sad note. I mean, I think what we, what we've done with Tango tab is created something fun. Yeah. Right. So, so one of the things we joke around is we didn't want to create a Sarah McLaughlin moment for every, you know, hunger issue. We wanted to make sure that people can solve the problem by doing something they do for fun. So we go out to eat, we bond over food. We, we, you know, we go out with friends. Imagine if every opportunity you did that, you could contribute to somebody else again without coming out of pocket. Yeah, that's huge. And that's, that's the fun part, right? It's a beautiful thing. (laughs) Thank you. It really is. So I've got, I'm going to connect a couple of dots here before I forget, and then we're gonna have to tie it up, unfortunately. But um, have you uh, met or talked to the guys at Project Relo? I have not. Okay. So they, they, do training and and work with um, corporate executives who are interested and to help them, I guess, better understand why to hire veterans. So they're they're very specifically focused on helping to employ veterans, but they do it by working with guys like you, and they have retreats and things like that. But but it's really ultimately about pairing those two. Um, and I can imagine that for for many of our service men and women who have spent time overseas and have seen that type of of hunger firsthand that looks the way that you've been describing, they're probably a little bit more in tune to the importance of getting that, you know, of bringing those problems, those solutions rather, to the problem mm-hmm. uh, to market. So I'm, I'm picturing a very good connection here between Project Reload that's looking to help, and there's some other organizations too we'll connect you with that are looking to help veterans you know, get employed, but do things that they're passionate about. And at the same time, you know, finding people that in your particular case may have a very strong interest and passion because of their experience for what you guys are doing. There may be a nice, you know, kind of one, two, three connection there. We would love every introduction. I think um, one of the things that that I've learned in in this project more than any any other entrepreneurial project is in, in other projects, you know, you're building a technology, you're building something very, very deep technologically. So you're trying to do it on your own and there's <laughs> secret, you know, secretive kind of uh, models, et cetera. Oh, yeah. Here we're, we're totally open. I mean, we are open to every introduction. I know I cannot solve the problem by myself uh, or with Tango Tab alone. We need every help we can get. We need alliances. We need people to join us, to, to react to this and, and really join. And again, we're not asking anybody to donate. We're making all the donations. Um, but we need all that help in terms of spreading the message, spreading the love, um, getting more veterans uh, employed. I think we have, uh, not to make it more political, but we we don't do a good job with veterans as a country. So I think we can do so much more. And we can make these veterans great uh, you know, uh, people in society who not only did service outside of the country, 
but are doing service here, are becoming farmers, are becoming producers of you know food and education and training and all kinds of stuff that they can contribute back to society. Mm-hmm. And we can do that. I love it. Andre, thank you so much for coming on today. This is such an important topic, and you guys have really taken a fantastic approach to getting the ball rolling on, on a long-term solution for hunger. Let us know what we can do, any way we can help. Uh, we're going to keep promoting the app. Guys, the easiest thing you can do, go out there, download the app, get registered. and uh, With the code Frisco. With the code Frisco. And, uh, you know, you start helping feed your neighbors and, and friends in Frisco that you may or may not know uh, are, are hungry. But Tango Tab's here to help. So Thank you. I, I think I think we need to do that. Sorry if I'm going to go on a slight tangent. That's okay. Um, when you have when you have 23% of your kids, effectively one in four, uh, that's going to bed hungry, if we don't solve that problem, that is going to be a problem 20 years from now. These are the kids that are going to be having a hard time learning. These are the kids that are going to be in low socioeconomic situations in the future. These are potentially the kids that are going to get into trouble. And that trouble translates to tax dollars issues. It translates to a lot of economic issues for everybody else. I think we need to solve this problem, and it's important to do that. Absolutely. And Andre, if people want to learn a little bit more about Tango Tab, where should they go? TangoTab.com is, is the website which will tell you a lot. Our social media, if you want to join us on Facebook or Instagram, I mean, please do. Um, uh, the Lifestyle Frisco would be uh, an incredible... Yep, there's order. a Tango Tab page. It oh, is under the Give for Frisco section. Absolutely. And, yep. and I think there's there's so much out there. Please reach out to us and and um, we, will, we will answer every call, every email, and every text that we get. Awesome. Again, Andre, thank you so much for joining us today. And we have a number of clients uh, in Frisco that are also restaurants. So if you are one of our restaurant clients, or even if you're not a client, but you're not on Tango Tab, please reach out to them and sign up and take part in this. Thank you all so much for tuning in today. We'll talk to you next time on the Frisco Podcast.